2: All right, welcome to another edition of the TOT cast. Uh, My name is Ryan Greco, and uh, this episode I'm being joined by Chris Okranitz and uh, Damar Grant. So, uh, gentlemen, how are we doing today? Damar, how's it going?
3: Great, happy to be back on the pod. Um, Yeah. yeah. We missed you. miss you too, buddy.
4: <laughs> Chris, yeah, I miss you too, Damar. What's going on here? No, no love for me, brother?
5: <laughs> okay. Nah, you're alright. Right. <laughs> <laughs> alright, oh, let's, let's
4: see how it is. Let's see how it is. Click on the X there. We'll just keep this going with Oh No, <laughs> no <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's
5: okay, Chris. I love you too.
2: <laughs> sorry, Damar. If it gets unexpectedly... If your call unexpectedly drops, you know who to blame. Okay. <laughs> so, no, as, uh, as always, uh, gentlemen, I mean, uh, I think, first of all, congratulations is in order to the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron James, uh, now cementing his legacy that he is now officially better than Kobe Bryant. Don't go Whoa,
3: whoa, sorry. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. I'll own it. I
3: guess, I guess for some people, yeah, I guess they needed this to validate that for them.
2: <laughs> well, I'm <laughs> sure not, it'll validate I, for a lot of people, but even though, you know, it's kind of it kind of already was a foregone conclusion
4: to anyone who actually watched basketball. But, you know, neither here nor there. Okay, more importantly, though, there's two other things that happen before you go down this rabbit hole, which is just ridiculous.
3: <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm ready for it I already.
4: <laughs> okay, LeBron decided to stay in Cleveland today. Well, apparently he said at the parade oh. that I'm coming home. I'm staying here. I, I don't want to leave Cleveland. I love it. And then we had a trade. <clears throat> Derrick Rose and his one knee got traded to New York City. To join the Knicks and their five players. And Phil Jackson, of course. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying they have nothing and he's a shell of the former self, but yeah, he's going there for Jose Calderon, Robin Lopez, and Jeremy Grant. So I feel like that's kinda of newsworthy. Some people still think Derrick Rose is an all-star, or potentially could be, so that's a big trade. I'm getting a
2: kick out of Knicks fans right now, just going off about that's it, we're in the playoffs, boys, we're gonna shock the world. And, you know, just a lot of that New York rhetoric that we all know and love. They're in the East, so, like, they could still make the playoffs. Like, you know, Porzingis
5: will be a year older, but then Melo will also be a year older.
3: But they have Derrick Rose now, you know. They have something. They have a point guard. They have a point guard. That is a thing for them now because that has not been a thing for them for the past couple years. So, you know, the point of attack is going to be great. Derrick Rose is still a good defender, so. So it's a benefit on the court, but I can't really... It's a rental because his contract ends after next year. I think he has a player option, but he's obviously going to opt out.
4: Well, he, I mean, he'd be crazy not to, right, to think he's a max player. But you actually think he's a good defender? He graded as one of the worst defenders this year for the guards. I think he was like 84th out of 88th in like defensive efficiency.
3: I guess maybe my uh, knowledge of Derrick Rose is antiquated because I don't really watch the Bulls that often unless they're like killing the Raptors and then they look like they're the best team in the league.
4: This is true. This is true. I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious how you think he's gonna like help Porzingis develop because he's gonna be the guy facilitating the offense. You'd expect, right? And mm-hmm. he can't really, he doesn't have that first step anymore to blow by guys and get to the lane like we saw him do so many times in his MVP seasons in Chicago or his MVP season. Sorry. I, I just don't know how he's gonna work in New York with the way they're playing. Or we're
3: playing Jose Calderon.
4: Oh no, no, that's fair. Oh, that's you, that's know, fair. And, and, you don't, you don't think Jose Calderon was getting it done?
3: Literally anything is better. Like there, I think he's easily the worst starting point guard in the league. <laughs> so just anybody, anybody better than him will make the entire team better. I just don't see the downside on the court for that one year. I don't see the downside.
5: I, I,
2: I'm
4: hearing some uh, scorned lover syndrome right there tomorrow from. Uh, no, I feel like the he's times right. with <laughs> the risk. The risk is reward it? is it's worth it for the Knicks. Well, of course, I but mean at the same time, I mean the way Hornacek played in Phoenix was really up tempo. Derrick Rose showed this year in Chicago that he doesn't really fit that up-tempo offense. The whole pace and space thing that Fred Hoiberg wanted and still in Chicago, it didn't work out with him. Like, him and Jimmy Butler couldn't coexist together on the court in that style of offense. How the hell are him, Melo, and Porzingis going to coexist? I That's know my what? question, Mark.
3: I've been watching this. like I've been thinking about this trade, and I think it's just like a lose-lose because if he sucks, then the Knicks suck. right? But if he's good, then at the end of the season, he's going to leave. Or unless he's like, unless uh, the New York media and the lifestyle doesn't uh, entrances him to stay, he's going to end up leaving if they're good and he's going to end up staying or probably even leaving anyways if he's up.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think also for what it's worth, though, to point out is that Jimmy Butler was uh, was not the same type of player that Carmelo Anthony is. I think that Derrick Rose... Better well obviously he's better but what I'm trying to what I'm really trying to say when I mean when I say that is that Jimmy Butler was also a guy who tried to work around the perimeter a little bit more consistently compared to Carmelo Anthony Anthony is going to be a little bit more in his mid-range game he likes his little jab step and his mid-range jumpers that you know the NBA has proven that's probably the worst percentage shot you could take in the league but I digress he's still the best he's still one of the best at it but at the same time that's giving Derrick Rose a lot of room to move around the perimeter so it doesn't really seem like any of these guys are going to necessarily bump into each other if you know what I'm trying to say say when they're running their offense so i still feel like much to both your points it's it's a big it's 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 a low low risk high reward scenario if derrick rose even is just marginally as good as he was during his mvp season or even just i mean you know even just some of the flashes we saw in the last
4: two years here and there yeah like once every 36 games maybe if you're lucky (laughs) he can't shoot the three he can't defend he can't drive by guys to get to the lane anymore i mean you're asking for a lot to go right with derrick rose but At the same time, I mean, this is kind of like a free ticket for him. It's a chance to play an offense that should favor him if Hornacek basically says, hey, here's the keys, do what you got to do. But at the same time, if you're Hornacek, are you really willing to do that? I mean, I I, I don't know. He's been
3: designing point guard offenses for the past couple years, so I'd assume so. Man, this is, you know... I just can't wait to see it on the floor, because I actually want to see what Derrick <laughs> Rose looks like in a Nick uniform. Me too. <laughs>
5: this
3: is the first thing I want to see, and then after that, I want to see, like, you know... I would t- I honestly want to watch their games, because I'm really excited to just see how it works for them.
4: Well, another thing with the Knicks here, if we're going to make a nice little segue, is uh, they donated a nice gift to the Raptors a couple years ago when they took Andrea Bargnani, and they gave us the first-round pick for this year, which ended up becoming cool. number nine overall. So... With that in mind, who do you see the Raptors taking at nine? I know you were a heavy lobby for Scalabishiri, and the three of us all like him. Is there anybody Uh, else, or are you still all all Scal Nation?
3: I will forever. I I just don't see the I don't see the okay. I see the downside in Scal where he's not if he's not capable of gaining weight, then people would say he just gets pushed around. But that is such an easy thing to do. You know, you're a professional athlete now. You just go to the gym. You just eat a lot of food. Just continue to play the same way. <laughs> yeah, I don't that. see how that's. I don't really see how that's a. That's a downside for him.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I think uh, me personally, I'd rather have Sabonis. To be honest, I think that's a guy who's got a little bit more natural size to him. Um, a little bit more of a polished game in the post. But uh, uh, right now, as of right now, he's, he's a better rebounder. So I mean, I think that's also something that the Raptors are going to need in the near future. You know, and, and th- there's been a lot of talk as well. Uh, going around about the Toronto Raptors, really hoping or trying or needing to get a pick that can help as a help right now, as opposed to being, you know, I'll I'll say it now, two years away from being two years away.
4: Is that two years away now? <laughs> yeah, he's about to enter that stage, man.
2: There it's you go. Only two years away now. Uh, but I, and yeah, even just with that said, though, I, like I said, I think I just Sabonis is just the best, is the most NBA ready player that we could grab out of the draft right now with that number nine pick.
3: What do you what do you project him being like? Say everything, or not even everything. Say most things break right for him. What do you what do you what do you see him doing?
2: I could him see day? him. I could see him being a little bit more of an athletic
4: version of Mozgov. Who? Sabonis. Really? He doesn't have the size though. He's more of like I'd say he's like a ceiling of Paul Millsap and a floor of Luis Scola. He's very crafty. He plays yeah. his back to the basket. He's a fantastic passer. Mm-hmm. Mid range is okay, but after that, you're asking him to basically develop a shot that. Quite frankly, isn't there yet. No. But back to the basket, anything within the block, he's physical underneath. Like he's kind of a, a hybrid Millsap Skola. So
2: and uh, I like it's, that physicality. So
3: he looks like poor man's Blake Griffin to me. Basically, Blake, everything Blake Griffin has, but lesser, especially the athleticism. Right, he has, like you mentioned before, he has those crafty, like he has crafty finishes sometimes, and he has he's also a very good passer, and he's like really um. Really aggressive on the boards. He's even like boxing out people or maybe he seems like now people maybe doesn't really jump over anybody for boards. Yeah. So he uses his body a lot more. But he just reminds me of Blake Griffin, just like a worse version. He even has like <laughs> the, even has like the people will say the T Rex arms of yeah. Blake Griffin, yeah, but has, his his wings wingspan really short too. Mm-hmm. And he's like what five? Oh sorry, not five. Like six ten,
2: six nine. He's just kind of I don't know. That's what it, that's, it just seems like to me. And it, it, to be fair, it does kind of go a little bit against what, Masir, uh, sorry, what Masai's philosophy is with long
4: and lanky and all that. But Oh, he always okay. loves his length and yeah. he loves his athleticism. Those are two things yeah. he's drafted consistently over the past couple of years. Yeah, I Dave, Scal has that. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I agree with Scal. I mean, <laughs> let's say Jalen Brown slips from Cal, right. and it's between Jalen Brown, Scalabisonry, <laughs> and Sabonis. Which one of those three would you take?
3: Hmm. Good question. I kinda like Jalen Brown just cuz he's got uh I like to have really big like guards, guards and uh, a small forwards. He's 6-6, so he's pretty big for a guard. Great on defense. So have like that huge wingspan. So, mm,
5: uh,
3: I still I still think I would take scout, honestly. I'm I'm just a huge scout proponent, man.
4: No, I like Scott too. I mean, some of the knock on Scott from a lot of what I've read and what Scott's been posting is that he's like a workout warrior. One-on-one and any like drills, he kills it. But when you put him in five-on-five play, he looks a little lost at times. But I'm with you. I think his upside is tremendous and it's somebody you it's worth finding out. The thing with Jalen Brown is I think you're really buying into his high school film and the way he played there where he was a better shooter. He's able to get to the rim, because at Cal last year, I don't know how much you guys watched him play, but the Pac-12 is a lot more up-tempo basketball, and at times he looked lost. He would just kind of drive to the rim and kind of look like a bull out of a cage where he'd literally just try and run guys over, and that that didn't really work out too well for him. So, he's very smart off the court. Like His IQ is amazing. He's Mm -hmm. he's known for all that. But I think on the court, he's still got a lot to develop in terms of the way the game's played. So, I think you're really buying into him being a long-term project as well, but for the Raptors... What do you guys think would develop better, a big man or a shooter? Like, what do you think would be quicker? Because you're basically asking Jalen Brown to be a long shooter, like a three that can shoot the rock, whereas Scout yeah. you're asking to dominate the paint and defend. Like, uh, which kind of player do you feel develops quicker in the NBA today? Even
2: today, it's still it's still the shooters, it's still the guards. Yeah? Big men have always been the guys that have taken a little bit longer to develop. I mean, Jonas Valanciunas is a great example of that. We're just starting to see the fruits of his labor this season when, with the performances that he was putting together. Um, and it's—I don't know—I just feel like it's a lot more of a free-flowing game for a guy who plays on the wing, a guy who's also allowed to make a few more mistakes than a guy in the post would. Um, you're getting more touches, you're getting more comfortable with the ball, you're not doing as many off screens as a guy in the post would in the NBA level. And, and everybody here knows how incredibly fast that can be at times. Um, so I think the learning curve is just not as as strong. It's not as sharp or as steep. For those guys because they can still use their quickness and they don't necessarily have to bang and be physical every single time they go on the floor, especially in an 82 game regular season. Going up against other guys who are still trying to learn just as much as they are because it's a very young league now, right? So I think that it's still the guards, it's still a it's still a guards league when it comes to development. And so if that was the case, I would definitely take Jalen Brown because at the end of the day I'd try and hold true to the draft philosophy of take the best available player regardless of the position, because you never know. You might pass up on a on a on anybody that you want to give. I mean, you can name off a ton.
5: No. Wait, what?
3: Let's say that last part again. No, I'm just wow. saying
2: you could, you could, uh, like I, well, I'm just saying that you could, you know, there's, there's been plenty of teams that have passed up on really, really good generational players even at times because it didn't fit what they were looking for in the moment as opposed to just going for the best available player.
3: Yeah, yeah, I can, under, I can get behind that, but you know, it's just like when I watch Jalen Brown, I just see a lot of athletic ability. You know he's good at finishing at the rim, but if he can't, like his ball, his ball handling isn't that great, and he can't really shoot the ball. Like you can buy into the high school thing where he's shooting it pretty well against high schoolers, people that he's much taller than. Or if you're watching like uh, anything recently, his three point shooting is not that great. He's great, he's great on the glass though. Really appreciating somebody being six uh, six and being amazing on the glass.
4: So I kind of get the vibe that we all agree the Raptors are down to three players that we'd like to see at least. Scalabissary, mm-hmm. Romanis Sabonis, Jalen Brown, if if he was to fall, let's say. And after that, I mean, you can make case for a few other guys, but I feel like those are like the two to three guys we're all in agreement on here. I agree. Yeah. I think, I. I and just to, you know, even to just sum it all up,
2: I would take Jalen Brown over those two guys again if he was available just because, you know, it's also a smaller league. It's a longer, more athletic league. But, I mean, we're in, a, we're in an era now where guys are playing the 4 and 5 at six foot seven, So it's not exactly entirely impossible for him to get some of those
4: shots off now as opposed to how it was 10 years ago. Okay, let me ask you guys this then. How do you feel about the Raptors potentially moving up? Because with a lot of rumors... The Celtics are shopping their pick. A lot of teams are shopping their pick. I mean, if you go on a list, you got Boston, Phoenix, Minnesota, Denver, Sacramento. They've all been rumored to be shopping their pick, right? So if you're the Raptors, is there somebody you see on the board that you would trade up and get, potentially?
3: Uh, ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. There's, there's, there's fuck all after that. Like, there's I mean, nobody you guys I mean, would even think there about. Are, there are yeah. pieces, like... There are pieces, but there are no, there's nobody that is like a standalone player that I can just like put anybody else
3: around and make them better, you know? Yeah. Like everybody else, uh, any uh, anybody else behind them is like a piece to a to a good team, but I would still have to build that, like I would still have to mold that player to becoming a very good player to put on my team. So, eh, there's nothing really to trade up for unless it's a, like a sure thing right now. Plus, the Raptors need a big man, and there are big men at the this, at this specific spot of uh, the and draft, so I wouldn't really trade up for anything.
4: Okay, then what about this scenario? I know this is something that we saw, well, both, all three of us actually, I messaged you guys about when we saw it on Twitter, was after the Jeff Teague trade, there was a lot of talk about how, let's say, Horford doesn't re-sign Atlanta, do you blow it up? and then obviously Paul Millsap's name float around. And it's all speculation at this point, but he's somebody that would obviously be a perfect fit for the Raptors. What do you feel is the right package to go out and get a guy like Paul Millsap, knowing the Raptors have two first-round picks this year and next year? What's appropriate to kind of make a package to go out and get a Millsap?
3: Okay, uh, you would trade. I would trade uh, Terrence Ross, the Corey Joseph. I think that brings them up to... 17 or maybe even 18 million because he has the poison pill contract right so yep. is uh what he's being traded for now is based upon what he has or what he's making next season so he's making what 14 million and then
4: it skyrockets to a lot i have to pull up the number I'll pull up the number. Yeah, it's
3: 14, he's making 14 million and then Corey joseph is making about three or four million so and that's about 17 to 18 million and then Paul Millsap is making 18 million right now, so that seems pretty even. And then you just pile on, you know, the ninth, and then probably the 27th, or maybe next year's first rounder. Maybe if the if the Hawks are blowing it up, I mean, that's a pretty good it's pretty good deal because then you get those two good pieces: the point guard, the backup um, backup Schroeder, and then you have Terrence Ross, who's prompt you know, he He's a prospect (laughs) Let's say that (laughs) And then you get Let's say if they wanted to get That power forward right back But a younger version You know Scal will be on the board And then They'll also have the 27th Or even first round next year They'll have another chance To pick somebody else They'll just be able to make Their team younger Really quickly actually Not a lot of teams Get to make their team That much younger And better At the same time
4: No that's true That's true that's true uh, Millsap's making uh, 20 mil next year and then 21 mil the year after that so, yeah, so
3: they would need to make you need to make up a little bit um, they would have to would have to like sign James Johnson to like a 3 like a, three a year 3 billion a year and then make it like unguaranteed for like second second or third year or something like that
4: yeah financially it'd be tough to make work out actually now that I think about it it would it would take Terrence Ross and another player but I don't know who that other player would be
3: yeah, Corey Joseph, and then they would have to just, like, scrounge together a couple more million and then ship it off with a couple draft
4: picks. Hope the Hawks say yes. <laughs> well, would you be comfortable moving a player like Corey Joseph, though? I feel like he's oh, a, a say. nice, mm-hmm. solid backup point guard. Like, I know it makes sense financially to move him because it, it just makes it fit, but is he somebody you'd really want to part ways with, though?
3: Do you? Would you rather have Paul Millsap or Corey Joseph?
4: No, I know, yeah, it's a no-brainer. Okay, so... (laughs) But then this leads to another point, though, something that you mentioned off the air to me, was that you don't like the idea of the Raptors going all-in, basically trying to win now. Would that not kind of kickstart that theory where if you're going to get Millsap, you are going all-in? So you're mortgaging the future, pretty much? If I'm not the GM of the Raptors,
3: Masai Ujiri is, and he's been talking about (laughs) going all-in for the past, like, three weeks, you know, he's looking talking about, like, there's no player in the draft that would make an impact now, and we're trying to re Demar Derozan right now. So I'm hearing a lot of nows and not a lot, of, not a lot of futures. That means, to me at least, that they're doing right now stuff. They're making that trade if they can.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Personally, I I, I wouldn't try and get rid of Joseph, but I mean, there's 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 other ways to get around it. And heck, I mean. At this point, I'd probably just try and go
4: all-in on Horford if you're going to do all-in. Well, you'd be really tough to kind of work around the rest of the cap, though. That's the thing. Oh, no.
2: Someone's got to go, but... Well, no. Yeah, you'd have, you have
3: to shred the contract, so you'd have to, like...
4: Yeah. like you
3: do exactly what I just said, but you're sending them to the 76ers for, like, maybe draft picks or trading exceptions.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, you'd be signing Horford, then you would re-sign DeRozan to the max deal after as well, so... You can exceed the cap his bird rights. The ownership said numerous times they'd be willing to be a luxury tax team. That'll make them a luxury tax team, but they'd still need to get rid of some players and basically run with Bebe, Bruno, Delon Wright, and Norman Powell all in their entry-level contracts on their starting roster, on their active roster next year. No more of this bussing back and forth to the D League like they're on the active <laughs> roster because you need them to be there just for money's sake, right? Yeah. So I don't know if they'd be comfortable doing that. Like they'd run their depth pretty thin. Right, but Send someone I, to the D League. Back to what you asked about like, you know, going all in or not, I don't
3: think they should. I don't think they're better than Cleveland. I don't even think they're better than Cleveland if they have Paul Mills up. And LeBron is going to be a fixture in the East much until 2020. And uh, I don't really think you know, I don't think Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan are gonna be better in the next three years versus the Cavs, you know, in the next three years. So but that, I don't really understand also-
2: that also begs the question as well, though, because you're also not just working with how good Cleveland's going to be in the next couple of years. You also got to kind of remember and work with, you know, what your guys are going to be capable of in the next couple of years. And if this is going to be the prime of their careers, specifically for Lowry as well, who's now from this point on is probably going to be start slowly but surely sl- slipping downward as yes. far as his prime.
4: The wrong side of thirty.
2: Yeah. So I mean, there there's got to also be a point where you're going to go, okay, we this timing may not be perfect against who we're facing in the East and the Cavaliers, but they also know that this might be their best shot as a team that they have right now in the roster.
3: That's not necessarily true, though. When I'm when you think about it, like, their two best players are DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is 31, and then DeMar DeRozan is turning 28 or 27 this year. So by the time, like, say you get DeMar DeRozan on five years, he's going to be in his mid, like, early 30s. By the time Jonas is turning twenty seven, and then you have you know White Wy- or Norman Powell, you know he's going to be in his mid twenties, and then Terrence Ross would also be in his late twenties. So like everybody else, but everybody else that is not the two best players is finally coming into their own when they're getting old.
4: So I kind of get the vibe. You think this core is kind of like I don't want to say a mirage, but it's just going to be that typical middle of the pack NBA team stuck in no man's land that. Isn't quite an elite contender, but they're always a fringe contender. They're always going to be there, but they're not necessarily going to be taken serious.
3: Yeah, bro, you know, we'll make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and then get eliminated in five or six every every year for the next two or three years. you guys think that they're going to be better than Cleveland
4: at any point? And not unless LeBron leaves.
2: And not right. unless they make a huge free agent <coughs> signing. They got to sign somebody that's better than both DeRozan and Lowry. Or they have to sign two or three guys that are on the same level as DeRozan or Lowry. Right. So dead. the Kevin
3: Durant dream is
2: dead. Oh, definitely. So All, all Toronto did. Whoa, 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 whoa. All, hold whoa, on, hold it's on. It's not dead all, yet. All Toronto did this playoff series was convince the guys they already have to stay. I don't think they convinced anybody to come.
4: Hold on. The Durant dream is dead for a year because he's going to sign the one and one and then him and Westbrook are going to opt out together, and then they're both going to come here. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> that, that's what, like, how many – you know what? You guys laugh, but how many teams in the NBA are praying for that right now? Like, teams like the Lakers, the Knicks are like, oh, we have all the salary cap space. Durant and Westbrook, we get them both if they opt out next year if Durant does the one and one So, right. I mean, it's a pipe dream for 29 teams in the NBA, or 28.
2: The, the Lakers media makes me makes me laugh so Let hard. Me see.
3: Oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: No, I was just saying, like, the Lakers media just kills me because I, I'm hearing it every other day about how DeRozan's coming. And I just, I, I just can't help but shake my head at it. I'm just thinking, you know, why would he spend the prime of his years basically re, basically going back to the future to what it was when he was just coming into the league and the Raptors were in relatively the same position as what the Lakers are in right now? Why, why would he go back when he could also get the same amount of money in a market that arguably, even though most Americans don't want to admit it, is just as big as a Los Angeles or New York? Obviously not as big, but in the same ballpark. And... Just try and basically win with a bunch of kids and Swaggy P and D'Angelo Russell. And I, I, I've never understood how L.A. has convinced themselves that because he's from Compton, they're all this, he's going to give up going to the East Finals every year to basically try and scrounge the 8th or 7th seed in the Western Conference.
4: You know why. You have to fill airwaves.
3: My one question about the Lakers, why does everybody include the Lakers in any sort of free agent? Like, uh, Thank you. I don't get it.
4: Because they no, won all these titles I in know, the 70s and 80s and 2000s, and they're still I know, glamorous. I know they have like <laughs> that that supposed gravitas behind them, is that
3: you know they're is a great team, but like bad. And nobody wants to be on a bad team anymore. Like no, you can get the same amount of endorsements. You can yep. get that in Oklahoma City just as many as in L.A. In L.A. you'd probably get more local things, but nationally. Everybody knows who Kevin Durant is, even though he plays in Oklahoma City in middle of nowhere, right? And everybody yeah. knows, I wouldn't say everybody knows, but people know who Damian Lillard is and people know who Paul George is, right? And they're not yeah. in the most lucrative markets. You yeah. don't have to be in New York to get recognition. LeBron is in Cleveland.
2: I'd take it a step further. I'd say that, you know, the guys that are that good don't, have a don't really have a life outside of basketball when the regular season is going on. And when I say that, I mean like all of the things that everyone's talking about, how great the cities are and, and the stuff that they do. A lot of that has to do with stuff. Young people do go out parties, uh, connections and all that sort of stuff. But these guys don't have anyone who's really worth a damn in the NBA. That's worth those max contracts, at least back in the day before the huge salary caps, what they weren't doing that stuff to begin with anyway, during the regular season In the off season, that's where all these guys hang out anyway.
5: Yeah, so why, exactly. Right? Like, why would they?
2: Why Why do they need to be in New York in the middle of February? Why do they need to be in Los Angeles when they're not even in Los Angeles for more than half the week? Like, it, like with road trips and things of that nature. Same thing with Miami. It's like Miami's a little bit different because it's a little bit more, much more competent ownership mm-hmm. and management, which is also the same reason why those guys go there, though. Not because of the beaches.
4: Well it's tax free too.
2: Well there you go. And Texas as well. Same deal with the Spurs and the Mavericks. There's a reason the Mavericks have been, were able to pull one out of their ass. Shout out yeah. to Orlando.
4: There, there you go. Orlando too. They'll be big players this year with Frank Vogel there. They got enough space to sign a backs guy. Yeah. So I mean like
2: I said, just the to your point, Damart, it's it's completely preposterous for people to believe that just because the LA Lakers are the LA Lakers, that they're all of a sudden that they're they're worth that. Once you know, once again, it's all just hearsay for for the ratings and the media markets and all that crap.
3: Yeah, everybody. I remember like people will point to uh, White Howard and Steve Nash going there. That's because you know it was a great. Te- it was going to be a good team. Kobe Bryant was there. They had Pal Gasol there. They, and they just, just
2: came like, off the of finals.
3: We're just going to put all these these two stars, three stars together, and we're going to make this awesome team. <laughs> it, but like right now. There's nobody there. You have D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, Swaggy Pete, Julius Randle, Lance, uh, Larry Nance Jr. Like, it's just a shell of like any semblance of a team. Like, they're at the same level as the 76ers at this point.
4: They're lower. Why would, why would you go there if you're a free agent? Like, this, can somebody explain that to me? No, but I feel like this Lakers vortex has sucked us in too far, though. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> Because I feel like it's a, it of a, a yeah. I have a medium to like actually talk about it, so I just
3: I, I just don't understand why media people keep saying like somebody's going to the Lakers. Like nobody's going to the Lakers, man. They wow. suck.
4: I can tell you from the media standpoint why. I mean, they're one of the most followed teams in all of sports, and when you talk about it, those fans that follow that team will click on it, or they will listen, and they will talk about it, and you make money, and that's why they talk about them all the time.
3: Lakers are awful. Nobody's going there, man. Chill out.
4: Don't, don't tell my fans that.
3: Durant's not coming. Al Horford's not coming. There's Russell Westbrook.
2: Look, they're in proverbial hell right now because the Clippers are better than them in
4: every way. <laughs> in every way. <laughs> okay, let's get back on okay, track. Let's, let's rewind here and recap. I mean, we think the Raptors are going to take one of three guys. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown, 3, or Demonis Sabonis. Agreed. We think that they're not going to trade up. No. We think that the draft as a whole isn't very good. By the sounds of it, I mean, we all think that after 1-2, there's not much there. What about 27 with the Raptors? <laughs> what do you guys think they could take there? I think it gets pretty interesting for who they could take with their second first round pick if they keep it. And before we even get to that point, though, when you look at the visits the Raptors have had, I know this is something that a lot of teams you can point to is when they have multiple, they have a, a player that visits multiple times, it's generally a good indication that they're interested in them. So when you look at who the Raptors have had for multiple visits, it's Stefan Jankovic, Stone, Dorian Finney-Smith. All those guys are late first-rounders, second-round players. Maybe Masai wants to trade back altogether.
3: Trade back? Wow, that would be, um... Yeah, I I can understand that. Usually trading back, you try to get something, like,
4: in the next draft, or maybe... Doesn't sound too far-fetched. Maybe he trades this pick to take another shot in the lottery next year and hopefully get lucky. Yeah,
3: yeah. I don't know. I can I can understand it. I don't know if he would do it. I don't really I I don't know how much he's paying attention to the next year's draft <laughs> versus this year's draft.
4: Oh you better believe he's got a big board up for the next two drafts. I, I wouldn't doubt that for a second. But I just think it was just something like I'm probably trying to read in between the lines a little too hard here with this. But I feel like it was something that maybe is he's exploring.
3: I can I couldn't as a GM it's your job to explore things like that, right? Yeah. I wouldn't imagine I could imagine that he's no, he's thought of it. I don't know if it's... You can't tell if it's like a, a deep dive or a fleeting thought for him. We're not him, fortunately.
4: Okay, then what about 27? Let's say they keep both their picks. Who would you guys be looking at at 27? Who intrigues
5: right, you? I, uh,
2: I have an interesting one we, just based off of some of the stuff that I've been seeing out there. Uh, SB Nation and CBS Sports have... Us going for, of all people, Thon Maker. We both know oh. quite
4: well.
5: Oh.
2: Yeah, and I find that interesting because, to your point, Chris, they haven't brought him in for a workout, obviously. But I also feel like, you know, and this this is kind of funny, too, though, because I think whoever was putting together these mock drafts, I kind of got a kick out of their reasoning because they're sitting there, well, you know, Messiah Jury long- likes long-term projects. Uh he had a pretty good roster to work with at the time when he was making those draft picks for Kabaklo and things like that. I don't think he's necessarily looking for long-term projects like a Thon Maker. And who's to say Maker is even going to fall that low? Because there's a lot of teams because of Maker being so guarded, not going to the five-on-five workouts, not basically doing anything of note in the past in the in the the year of 20, in the calendar year of 2016. His his mysteriousness, is his. his a, the fact that he is such an enigma is actually, is actually his strength right now because he's been breaking all sorts of physical records at the combine for anyone over, over the height of six foot eleven. So he's an athletic freak, which is enough to make anybody consider him as an option. Also, when you take into the fact that I know this sounds almost even a little childish to say, but because Maker basically spent the last two years in the Raptors' backyard playing in Orangeville alongside Jamal Murray, another guy who's going to be a top-10 pick hands down, um i'm sure that the raptors have sent a scout out there and taken a look at him over the course of the last 2 years at some point so with all of those things in you know kind of in circulation it would definitely be to me i think it would be the most interesting pick that they could take at 27 but uh, do i think it's the smartest pick given everything that's going on with the raptors right now it would basically then be taking a flyer on something so i don't know what do you think though
3: 27th pick in the drive, like you know those were that's a position where you are taking a flyer on anybody. Really, you're looking for like uh, physical feats, you know, maybe I, I brought this up earlier, like for a podcast where, you know, somebody that deep in the draft, they don't really have the physical tools or they're missing like something major in their, in their game. was so like, you know, the person doesn't really understand the game correctly or like they're, they're undersized for their position. Right. So, being Ton Maker, you just mentioned him like breaking records in the, in the combine for weightlifting or
2: at his uh, specific height, vertical as well.
3: Right. So I can see why Please. you know you can totally if you're a GM, you're just like, dude, this guy is this guy is nuts. He's like he's basically a dream. But that would scare me as a GM because it feels like a dream, and this guy doesn't do it like you know he's just like you can't even really consider if he's real or not <laughs> because he doesn't do anything in the like calendar year of 2016. You, know, you kind of just see him, you know, and that's about it. You don't ever see him doing anything. I don't know if I would really pick him just because I would be like, uh, I'd be questioning whether or not I'm a good GM just because I picked him on like work, like somebody mentioned him to me and I just like heard some words and saw some written things about him but was not able to see him do anything.
4: Uh, I would bet I would bet a colossal amount of money the Raptors don't take him, even if he's sitting there. Mm-hmm. They've had 59 players in for visits. Clownmaker's not one of them. And I don't think that's because they've seen him in Orangeville. I think that's because they're just flat out not interested. Mm-hmm. You have guys in for workouts because you want to see how they interact with their coaching staff. When he's in high school, unless they had some private, super-secret workout that basically avoids them from getting a tampering or anything like that kind of charge... I don't see why you wouldn't have him in for a workout. Like, you want to see how he interacts with your coaching staff. You want to see how he interacts in various situations in a private workout a or against, like, Bay Bay because you can have players in there, and they didn't do that. So I think there's zero hope in hell that they draft him. And even – I know this is petty and we brought up on the last podcast, but seeing Messiah Jury kind of walk by Thon and Ed Smith at the Biles Steel game this year, at the All-Star game. That wasn't a I can't talk to you because you're a prospect in the NBA. That looked more to be like I'm just not interested in talking to you. Because Messiah Jerry talks to everybody. <laughs> I mean, this guy was taking photos with fans. He was talking with everybody. Mm-hmm. Like he went out of his way to make sure people knew he's a good guy to talk to and he's friendly. And the way he walked by them was kind of like get lost. Like yeah, it's, yeah. It's I, just something it's like, interesting. No, kind of, like, the way
3: you walk past people like in the hallway, like they're just not. On your radar, <laughs> yeah.
4: Like I think if there's a player that they were going to take that they didn't have him for a workout, that was just a raw athlete that was like you know worth taking the risk on. I think it's a guy like DeAndre Bembry from St. Joe's. Like he's six six, he's a junior, um, he's one of the best passers in this draft. He's an elite athlete. He can defend the wing. He's got that unique small forward stretch forward capability that you want in the new NBA. I just feel like that's a better athlete for the Raptors to take it. They were going to take a flyer on somebody that, one, they didn't bring in for a workout, and two, was just a pure athlete. I feel like he'd be a better fit.
3: Yeah, man, at the 27th position, it's a crap. It's truly a crap shoot at the 27th.
2: Yeah. You're just lucky if you can get somebody that will last in
4: the league.
3: Yeah, exactly. Usually, like you know, at the first couple spots, you're just like, okay, these are my like my rocks, you know, my blue chips. And then like in the lotteries, like you know, there's gonna be good people there. Kind of, you know, it's kind of easy to miss on the lottery, but you can also hit. And then like further and further you get away from the top 10, and then the 15s, and then you're in the 20s. Like it doesn't really. It almost feels like it doesn't really matter who you draft.
2: You know. <laughs> <laughs> then it gets into the pebbles. You know, yeah. I, I, I feel like that's what you're trying to say.
3: <laughs> yeah, it is like you know just to use like a sock example, like you're in the penny socks and you're just like trying to, <laughs> oh, see, just trying, to just I, trying to see if I can get
4: something I just want some ROI if I could get any sort
3: of return on what I put into this, that would be fantastic. That's what it feels like in the second round and, like, the late first round.
4: Well, I feel like there's five players that, if they took it 27, would have a, a chance of panning out. I mean, I don't think some of them will be there. But if I had to give you guys, like, five guys that I'd keep an eye on, Denzel Valentine at Michigan State, I think he'll go much higher. But let's nice,
2: say,
5: Yeah,
4: yeah, but let's just say in a perfect Yeah, Valentine's like, pretty good. He's he a falls. Good one. I think he's somebody who could have success. Yeah, he's had um, a couple of good years in college. Check Diallo's a personal favorite of mine. I mean, he's like mini bit. He's a mini Bismack. I mean, he's only six, nine, but his arms are ridiculous. He's got the wingspan. He could be somebody that the Raptors might be able to turn into this. I don't know. Project player that can, you know, put in good minutes off the bench and defend a little bit. Rebound offensive games limited, but he can at least chip in. Um, Bryce Johnson's another guy. I Like, I mean, he got progressively better. He actually broke the record at UNC this year for the most double doubles in regular season, which is pretty crazy. When you think about some of the guys that have came through there, for big men yeah. especially, like guys like Sean May, Tyler Hansborough. They were very productive in college. So I feel like he could be somebody who's a decent, mature, he's a senior, power forward for the Raptors. Um, DeAndre Bembry somebody I mentioned as well. And the last guy I think that is somebody that they've had in and they might be interested in is Patrick McCaw. He's a shooting guard from UNLV. He's he's not bad. I mean, he's athletic. He can shoot a bit. He, he's He's not necessarily somebody who's going to move the needle. But maybe he could develop into like a Norman Powell type guy.
3: Here's my thing with like, I noticed you said Bryce Johnson. If I have a power forward on my team and he can't shoot, I no longer want him on my team. (laughs) I need need to have at least four players that can shoot the ball, which is like, you you know, I was in the 90s and I said that to you, you'd be like, are you crazy? I only need two guys that can shoot the ball, but... It's so easy to guard somebody that doesn't shoot the ball. Like, it makes the person easier to guard and the team easier to guard. So that's why I really like Scout, because he can shoot, man. Yeah. He can shoot from mid, and he can shoot if, like, if you really needed to, you can teach him how to shoot from three.
4: So why do the three of us like Sabonis so much, then? Because he's really a mid-range and in kind of guy.
3: I'm, I'm low on Sabonis. You guys
4: like really? Sabonis. Oh, you don't like Sabonis that much, eh?
3: I, don't, I told you he's poor man's Blake Griffin, man.
4: Blake Griffin is yeah. <laughs> well, if he's poor man's Blake Griffin, I'll take him because Blake Griffin you could still use.
3: Yeah, yeah, he shoots great from mid range. Yeah, you could still use Blake Griffin, but one of his main selling points
4: is athletic ability. Which and Sabonis isn't need- though. Sabonis isn't like an elite athlete. He's just okay. He's just really yeah. physical.
2: Yeah, exactly. I just like I just like his tenacity. like well to a point tenacity I guess is another is a synonym for physicality. Um, yeah. He's uh, got a high motor. High motor (laughs) Yeah, he no, no, just you know, he's got he's got a good scoring touch under the rim, and I think that's just something you know, even just coming off the bench for Valanchunas at some point in the next couple of years, having him come off and just be another constant under the rim, being there, being able to finish buckets, especially if Biombo ends up leaving or if anything along that that nature, you've got a guy who can still kind of do that more more likely, like I said, coming off the bench because he's not the kind of guy I would ever
4: see on the floor with Valanchunas at the same time. No, I feel like he'd be a really good bench player, too. I mean, and that's, that's what it's about thing. at this point. Do you
3: want to draft somebody as a, a bench player? And I like, in the
2: draft, that uh, the because that's with what a lot of these thing? guys, though, and then that's this draft, though. We are we all said it, we all were in agreement at the beginning of this episode that there's only one or two guys here that are really going to have an opportunity to be starters and all stars. Well, more specifically, all stars. Everybody else is a crapshoot, and that's how yeah, it is with a lot of these drafts. You would
3: want to get somebody with upside, that's. In the, it's, I guess, like in the later, in the later parts of the lottery, you want to get somebody with upside.
2: All I know is that Andre Iguodala now comes off the bench, and he's an integral part of <laughs> of his team. And it's an extreme example, obviously. I know, and I, Situ- I know he's had previous,
5: majorly situational.
2: And but and that's kind of what I'm what I'm just trying to get at now. At this point, is if you're a team like the Toronto Raptors. You're you're gonna get you're not gonna get a guy through the draft that is gonna be like a Lowry or a DeRozan for a very long time. Unless you're trading up, like O'Jerry has been kinda of trying to do the last couple of years. Because you know you're gonna be doing well in the standings. So why not try and build your team
4: on things that are gonna be useful as far as depth? I'd be for if- that and the reason why is a friend of mine brought this up off the air. He mentioned to me that this draft reminds him a lot of the two thousand six draft. And I'm looking back at the 06 draft, and I was kind of like, holy shit, does it ever. The 06 draft had a lot of hype around guys because they didn't have a lot of good players, so they hyped guys up to basically masquerade behind, you know, their top 10 guys, so they're good. Mm -hmm. When really, they were just average guys, I mean... Listen to this 0-6 draft, okay? And Raptors fans remember this, obviously, because we took Andre Barconi number one overall. Instead of LaMarcus Aldridge, by yeah, the way. tire fire. So Aldridge went two. Adam Morrison, who's cleaned himself up and looks pretty good coming out of Lamborghini. I don't know if you guys saw. Oh, you know, no, I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he, he went number three. Tyrus Thomas, number four. Sheldon Williams, five. Brandon Roy, the poor guy with his knees, went six. Randy Foy, seven. Rudy Gay, eight. Patrick O'Brien, nine. Mohamed Sene ten. JJ Redick, eleven. I won't go on any further than that, but the point is, is that that draft wasn't very good. And ten years later, we're in the exact same scenario where you know there's one or two guys, and then it's like uh, a lot of average guys. You know what's funny?
3: Yo, hold on, I love your just low key, the lowest of key snipe like Kyle Lowry because he was drafted number
4: twenty-four. No, No. yeah, no, I knew he was there. Don't worry.
3: Lowest of keys is like, oh oh, yeah. You know, garbage anyway. It's too bad. He's a starting power forward. Hey, hey, if starting you want me point to guard, look, sorry.
4: If you want me to low-key snipe somebody for you, go look at who got taken 40th overall. That'd be uh, Eastern Commerce legend, Denim Brown. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, man. The only man. guy to score 100 points in Canadian high school basketball history, there's your low-key snipe of the night. <laughs> Is that a segment we're going to do now, Chris? No, no, no. <laughs> Low key <laughs> snipe
2: of the night. TOT cast basketball edition.
4: Oh, our boy Paul Millsap went 47th in that draft, too. I didn't even know that. Damn.
2: So I guess it wasn't as shit as we thought it was. Nah, it's still trash. <laughs> no,
3: it's
2: or maybe okay. the GMs were trash at the time.
4: <laughs> we're,
3: we're looking at, you know, let's say, for example, we're looking at the 2006 draft. Like, we're looking at, like, the 20th, the 21st pick, 24th pick, right? There are good players that get drafted later. It's just, you got to. There's something you just got to bet on, you know, like Rajon yep. Rondo was 21st. <laughs> Rajon Rondo it wasn't, you know, if you look at his comp as a player, you know, he's not necessarily super athletic. He doesn't really shoot it well, but there's just like you have one or two really good skills and if you can build on those two skills or a couple skills, that's what makes you a really good player in this league. Yeah. I think you got to but- you got to look at like how how much better somebody can get from where they already are. If you're out if you're outside of like the top 3 the top three, you can see like, you know, Ben Simmons is probably going to be like this six foot ten point guard, or you can see that uh, Brandon Ingram is going to be able to guard like four positions. Like, you can already see that, right? That's like it's evident in their, their play style and body. But in the later later parts of the draft, you got to be like, oh, this guy is like really, really good at passing, so maybe
5: we can pick him up here, and maybe he'll be like our our pass first point guard. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking
2: of pass first, I think uh, you, we could sum up. Uh the overall attitudes of, of NBA drafts with this one meme I remember seeing. and It was the class of 96, and they said, I think it went along the lines of, out of all the players you saw here, who would have thought the best one would have been the white kid from Canada?
3: Oh, you read that piece <laughs>
2: in the Lear's <there's> Tribune. <laughs> no, I, I saw that meme a couple of years ago on Facebook, and I just, I just got a kick out of it. I'm like, that really does sum up, sum up the NBA drafts. On some years, you just don't know.
4: Wasn't Kobe yeah. and Ray Allen in that draft?
2: He was, but they—they, they, I think the—I think the meme was along the lines of whoever had the most. Who would have thought the the guy with the most MVPs?
3: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, who would have said Steve the Nash. white kid from Canada? <laughs>
3: yeah, it was a Steve Nash, and there was like Ray Allen and a bunch of other people in the
4: photo. Yeah, because
2: Kobe only had one, didn't he? Regular season MVP. Yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. There yeah. you go. The Raptors took goddamn Marcus Camby that draft too, who ended up know. like being okay, but we think about what we could have had. Well, we wouldn't have gotten Kobe. But we still would have had Ray Allen or Steve Nash.
2: But even (laughs) Steve Nash. Steve Nash was – like, Phoenix Phoenix got lucky. They got rid of him just
4: in time for him to come back when he got good. Yeah. Oh man. I think with this draft, like, I hate to bring it back to 06, but in that draft there's maybe nine or ten guys that came out of 60 total players that were good. I feel like this draft is going to be the exact same. We're going to look back in a few years and be like, man, this draft was terrible. There was only, like, ten good players. So here's here's praying the Raptors get one of those ten. I know,
2: and it's a sad day when you know that you can go back ten years ago, look at a guy like Brandon Roy, and be like, "Wow, he still he stopped playing like about six, seven years ago, and he still probably has more points in the league than about ninety percent of the guys on that on that list." One hundred percent.
4: So <laughs> okay, just like give me a crazy prediction on like a draft draft, maybe a draft trade, a draft pick, or something like that. Like just out of the box. You just think like, you know, the Warriors trade Harrison Barnes for the sixth pick in the draft, and oh, then I they draft you know, somebody. I know, I got one too, actually. You go first. He, he knows mine already, and he thinks it's outlandish, but I like <laughs> it's, it's appropriate for Laker Nation. Go ahead. Mine is, uh,
2: I actually got it off of, uh, I was taking a look at the ES, uh, ESPN articles, like some of the biggest shockers that, they, that they're they predicting, and one of them was uh, uh, Thonmaker going 10.
5: Oh,
2: wow. Milwaukee Bucks picking up Thon Maker at 10. Oh. Yeah, that's that's my I'll, – I'll, I'll go with that one because because honestly, why the hell not? Out getting drafted higher than Kobe Bryant out of high school.
4: <laughs> okay, what about Damn, you, Chris? You, well, I think Vivek Ranadive from Sacramento Kings would be crazier to take him at 8 oh, because geez. he's the most psychotic owner in the league. <laughs> so he could do that. But I have two other ones. I'll start with the, the lower one first. The Sixers, they like this draft, clearly. And this is Brian Colangelo, so he doesn't give a rip. He'll do whatever he needs to do to get who he likes, because he's the smartest guy in the room. Just ask him. He'll let you know. I feel like they'll trade whatever they need to get the number three with the Celtics. Take their Chris Dunn. Then they'll trade back into the top ten again with, I don't know, let's say they, they part ways with Jill Okafor three. Then he trades Nunoz Noel to somebody to get back in the top ten again. They take another player. So they end up finishing with three picks in the top ten of this draft. I feel like that's... A crazy, somewhat believable theory.
3: You know, whoever is making that trade with, uh, with the 76ers, I think they just cashed out in that scenario. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> like, That's a huge, huge cash out. I don't really think Chris Dunn is like worth that much. All the while. Do I,
4: but <laughs> now for the craziest one. Oh, and yeah. This is one you know. Okay. The Chicago Bulls today trade Derrick Rose. Yes. Let's say the Chicago Bulls have just had enough and they're ready to blow this up and they feel like they don't have the pieces to make a winner. So they want to get as much as they can for Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler to the Lakers for the number two pick, D'Angelo Russell, and Julius Randle. I think that would be, like, the craziest stretch splash blockbuster I could think of, is the Lakers make an all-in push for Jimmy Butler. That's my best one.
3: Okay. You know, or uh, one uh, that isn't as crazy and might actually happen is, like, Chicago trades uh, Jimmy Butler to the Celtics for, like, the, the three whatever they have in the teens and then like another one. And then they probably get like Avery Bradley or you back.
4: Yeah. I could see that too, actually.
3: Right. So, I, you know, Hey man, the Celtics, the Celtics would do that trade too. They, they're, they want any star player on their team right now. Like literally anybody just please, please.
2: <laughs> I think it would be interesting to see if the, uh, if Butler ended up going to the Lakers, because I think the, uh, the Bulls and the Lakers just swapped their positions in hell if that were to happen.
3: <laughs> well, Say the- hello to more Jimmy Butler post-ups.
4: <laughs> oh, could you imagine? Oh, my God. Hey, man, he's just like, I don't get this two-guard, like, rein- like the 90s two-guard uh, reinvention
3: where it's just like Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan. Like, I'm just going to post you up and shoot mid-range twos yeah. instead of the three for no reason.
4: Yeah, I, I don't know either. But do you think Jimmy Butler's worth, like, as much as people are saying right now? I've, I've even seen Chris Middleton's name come up a lot with the Celtics, him and Jabari mm-hmm. Parker. But the things that are floating around with Jimmy Butler right now, man, I, I think he's a very good player, but I don't think he's, like, worth he's like a, the whole entire farm good.
3: Yeah, he's like a tier two star player. Yeah, right? Maybe, like, he's, like, the the, the gatekeeper between two and, two and three no, like above them, there's like uh, LeBron James or.
2: Look, I think I, I think the LeBron way that LeBron James,
3: like Steph Curry, you know Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and then below them is like John Wall and like CP3, and you know you would have like Jimmy Butler is like on the lower end of that, like maybe DeMarcus Cousins probably on the second tier as well, and then like below them would be like you know, Brad Beal, like that.
2: Hmm. I think I think after pretty much losing Derrick Rose after his knees. I think Chicago were just that desperate to just have anyone that would be of a use or value to them as an all-star, and Jimmy Butler just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. They did develop him.
5: Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, definitely, know, but, he's definitely good now. Like, there's
3: nothing there's no real holes in his game other than the fact that he doesn't shoot the ball. Like, that he doesn't shoot
4: the three-ball. Yeah. It's been steadily improving, though which is nice for him like I heard I don't the know. worst thing like I'm when
3: I watch basketball like I'm a huge proponent for like spacing the floor like I, that's why I love watching the Warriors play because I'm like this is how you should play basketball the team game and I'm like I heard this heard Jimmy Butler on Bill Simmons podcast where we were talking about him shooting the three that's his like next evolution as a player especially as a shooting guard you should definitely shoot the three. Yep. And uh, his response to that is like the same response DeMar DeRozan had to, I think, Zach Lowe, where they both said, I don't really see why I would shoot the three when I can get to the rim yeah. too much every time that I can't, every time that I want. I'm like,
4: he basically said I can score closer to the basket. I listened right. to that same podcast. He, he right. just said it's I not- can get to the cup.
3: I just, it just doesn't make sense to me because if you shoot the three effectively, then it makes it so much more easier.
4: To attack the much, basket.
3: So much easier to attack the basket.
4: Well, you gotta and respect me on the perimeter even more.
3: Yeah, yeah, right? So, like, they would play up on you, so it's easier to drive to the basket. And you, that's, you know, shooting in the paint can be your primary weapon but you still gotta hit the three man
5: three.
2: Uh, i think that's just ego talking for the both of them when they're talking to journalists as opposed to discussing the coaches because i'm certain coaches i've been explaining that to them for the better half of a of a year or two at least especially Red with Hoiberg the way
3: the probably,
4: league's going and Hoyberg probably has it has but i don't think uh i, think AC has. I don't think him and Hoyberg really get along as much as uh definitely not
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's, but, geez, I, he probably doesn't oh man except to Butler he would have went to
4: Minnesota with Thibodeau <laughs> well if I was the damn coach and I heard him say like on the interview or something that I don't need to shoot the three because you know I can get to the cup he shows up to practice the next day I'm going to have a rack of balls all along the perimeter and say shoot them all
3: actually I wouldn't even do that I'd just be like you 1v1 two guys in the paint with I want to see you score on two guys consistently yeah, yeah. The court. only way that's the only way you'd be able to um justify not shooting threes to me is like you have to finish every time at
2: the rim yep because when it matters in the playoffs they're not calling that whistle so you better make yeah, sure you finish yeah exactly yeah. we saw that we saw that all playoff series with the raptors so
3: <laughs> hey man they got some calls they did get calls
2: they weren't, they weren't As time went on when they finally showed that they had some some spine
3: <laughs> you know the, the league doesn't make that many um tiki-tack fouls in the, the playoffs. Like, There's a lot more physical play happening. You saw it with Steph Curry where, like, anytime he oh, was he running, molested. somebody just had their body attached to him, you know, yep. body, arms. Like, So I can't imagine that, you know, the same amount of fouls are going to get called in the, the playoffs when they're doing that to, like, basically one half of the face of the NBA.
5: Hmm.
4: I'd be surprised. <laughs> well, I think that just about wraps up our draft stuff here, guys. I mean yeah. – is there any other storylines you're looking forward to for this draft? It sounds like we kind of covered them all.
3: Any storylines? I want to see the Nets. Nets do something. The Nets will make a trade.
2: Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Oh, all the can Brooke really Trade,
3: trade Brook Lopez for anything. <laughs> bag Nets. of pucks. The Nets, you guys are terrible. Please.
2: Even the I mean the Islanders are in town now. They could they could trade yeah. for a bag of pucks. They could
3: help.
5: Save Brook Lopez. <laughs>
2: <laughs> put, him on, <laughs> put him on skates, maybe. <laughs> That's one. Save, Save, Save Brook Lopez. a player, <laughs> man. He is. Oh no, he, yeah. he is. I know. That's he why I find it hilarious. Him, man. <laughs> Free him. Oh my god, from this Russian gulag that he's in, right?
3: <laughs> this is probably one to make the podcast. But like, where do you guys like? What can they do with Brook Lopez? Just so they have a draft. They would probably be able to get a couple draft for him. And he's getting older, like he's not gonna be there when they're rebuilding the team.
4: They're gonna rebuild till twenty thirty, man. That's what I was about to say. I'm
2: like, that's what you think.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so like (laughs) just make the trade. There's no point in keeping him on the team, just get some draft picks. Maybe even like a late late later mid first rounders. The thing is they know that they're terrible. Like the entire league knows that they're terrible, so they're not gonna give them anything good.
2: Do the Nets know they're terrible? Does ownership know they're terrible? They have to. They're just... Uh, there's yeah, just they nonsense. Have, they're a couple players away.
3: <laughs> there's no way to not... They didn't even make the playoffs this year. There's like non-competitive.
5: It is sad to see.
3: He just showed up in Brooklyn and got a win. Jared <laughs> Jack is their starting power point guard.
2: They're Jared terrible. Jack. Yeah, they're terrible.
4: The best thing they have is Prokhorov probably has a vodka connection, so they get unlimited vodka. That's their best <laughs> thing about them. Oh, my God.
3: Do they have um Mar- Marjanovic No.
4: They didn't get him, oh, did they?
3: Boyan Bard-
4: Bard- Bard- Oh, Bogdanovich. Yes. Bardown, yes. baby. Yeah. got
3: him. They got Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. They got...
4: Ah, Shimmy Shake, my dude.
3: And they got Brook Lopez. So they got like three guys. Oh,
4: you, you missed, you missed <laughs> that he's young, too.
3: I, yeah. Thaddeus, I don't like... Again, he's a power forward that can't shoot. so
4: I don't I like that like young, either. And
3: I don't he, consider him a good team player. If you're a power forward and you can't shoot the ball, you're just... Not a good player
4: to me. Any Raptors fan that pumps the tires of dra- like trade for Thad Young, I just cut them off right there.
3: Yeah, dude. There's no point. in I'd rather have Marcus <laughs> <and>
4: Thad Young. <laughs> I'd rather get a future draft pick.
3: That, yeah.
2: Don't forget those cash considerations. And uh, that concludes this episode of the TOT Cast. Uh, if you need to reach out to the show, you can reach us on Twitter at Tip of the Tower. Uh, be sure to like our Facebook page, Tip of the Tower. You can also uh, reach us out. Uh, on iTunes, of course. We love the reviews, the five-star reviews, and just write a quick review for us. Always appreciative when, uh, when anyone can do that. If you want to reach out my, to myself, you can reach me at Ryan Greco 416 on Twitter. Reach Chris O'Cranitz at Chris O'Cranitz and you can always reach Damar at DamarJG. Uh, gentlemen, any closing thoughts for the day?
3: Draft scale, please. Draft
4: <laughs> Chris? I was actually going to say Draftscal. <laughs> Scal is <laughs> actually what I was gonna say. So, <laughs> take scout number nine, or for the love of God, trade out of it. <laughs> he's just a draft
3: scout and then you guys, everybody will be like, Oh, well, he's too skinny. And then year two people be like, This guy is a beast.
2: <laughs> we can shout it from the mountaintops. If they didn't hear it, they heard it here first on the TOT cast. Draft, draft, scout Hashtag draft scal. Have a good <laughs> I night. Can't wait until the draft. <laughs> awesome. Have a good night, guys.